Welcome to the Sight Pen Podcast, episode number nine. This is Tori Rice, your host, the one and only. Paul Shannon is with me. Hello, howdy. The also one and only Nick Nisi is with me. Hey. The one of many Neil Roberts. He's just kind of in the me- in the middle. He's medium, <laughs> if you will. Seven of nine. I'm just happy to be here. He's just happy. Um, today's episode is brought to you by Trumpscript. Trumpscript, <laughs> if you are tired of not getting the credit that you deserve from the other engineers on your team and it's time to make your code better, to make it great again, try Trumpscript um, and maybe just make them all do the work and you know get the credit you're, that you deserve. It's going to be Trumpscript. Can, can we just call out a few of the features of Trumpscript? Yeah, I'd love for you to call out some of the features <laughs> of Trumpscript. I was going to do that, but then I was like, Hey, everyone should already know what it is because it's the greatest thing ever. It really but go is. ahead for the for the commies <laughs> out there, the the unwashed swine. Like the the funniest one I think is all numbers uh, must be strictly greater than one million. The small stuff is inconsequential to us in Trumpscript. It's absolutely true. <laughs> so. And there's no floating point numbers. It's only integers because America only does uh, America never does things halfway. That is also true. Um, it's self-evident, really. Like yeah. I don't even know why. It doesn't need to be stated. We were actually thinking about doing uh, Trumpscript workshops, but then we realized that if you don't, if you already don't know what Trumpscript is and you need a workshop, then you don't deserve to use it. <laughs> so I hear that this is the way that Dojo 2 is going, right? We're dropping TypeScript for this. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's still TS, but yep. it's Trumpscript. Yeah. So... Yeah, look for that soon. Um, we're we're really big believers in TrumpScript around here. Um, you know, we're we, we've really always been. Um, we just needed that catalyst to really show us that we've always been that way. So, you know, it's good stuff. I think there's a, a last minute sponsor that just came in as well, uh, which is TrumpDonald.org. <laughs> uh, which, if you love trumpets and Donald Trump's hair, you're gonna be happy. <laughs> so that's their that's their tagline. That's that's good stuff. Um, that is a necessary thing for the internet. I'm actually going to be writing a app that uh, plays one of those trumpets with Trumpscript. So look for that very soon. Well, I should pay um, more attention when I'm in projects to what's going on in the rest of the company. Because well, <laughs> I just do marketing and design, and so you know when they come to me and they say, "Hey, we want to sponsor you," I'm like, "Okay." Um, so we paid, you know. We paid a little bit of money to Trump to get Trump script, but you know it was worth the sponsorship. I think, honestly, to be able to talk about it. So, totally, I think that's how how marketing works. You got to pay to play. Well, I did. Um, I did hear that Jeb Bush paid about twenty five thousand dollars per vote that he had in the Iowa caucus. He was sending iPads in the mail or something. So, clap. So there's, a lot, there's a lot of money in these these sponsorships, <laughs> is what I'm saying. <laughs> clap. No one clapped. Go ahead and go ahead and give me a round of applause, guys. Please clap. Please clap. Um, good stuff. We are a uh, politics show. We're feeling the burn over here. Um, hey, I'm from I'm so, from Iowa, so sorry. So we have you to blame. Sorry about that. So I got to I got to experience the the craziness that is the Iowa caucus. Did you caucus? Yeah, I went to the Democratic one. Did you, I had to, did you flip I was a coin? Not, I was no I was no party before. You didn't get to flip a coin. Did you get to flip a it coin? Was, it was close. It was close. There was just a few people difference between a couple of candidates. And you had to vote Obama. (laughs) Good work. Well, there was a group of us, you know. (laughs) Who won at your caucus? Uh, Well, it ended up being the votes, the the delegates were tied. Hmm. But uh, Clinton won by a few. So basically, it's like a kid's soccer game. No one won. That is so fitting, (laughs) to be honest. That is so fitting. Yeah, if if you're not super tied to a political party and you live in Iowa, you should just go register Democrat and do the Iowa caucus because it's really fun. <laughs> yeah, we have another guy from Iowa and he did. He tried to go caucus, but he didn't want to face the traffic of where they had it. So he ended up not going. 
And um, yeah, I had some choice words for him. <laughs> I could have just walked that. to mine, so. <laughs> no, but it doesn't really matter because he, he was voting for somebody who was not going to, they they aren't in it anymore. So oh, it doesn't say really that. matter. They, yeah. need, they need to tell My favorite part. <laughs> My favorite part was that he spent five minutes looking for a parking spot and then gave up. Yeah, he's like, no, I'm done. I'm out. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, yeah, cross the Delaware to whatever, you know, George Washington Forbes. <laughs> I had a lot of quotes, <laughs> historical quotes for him over text message. It just kept getting meaner and meaner about his political activism. But that's that's another story. <laughs> What's okay. this podcast about? This, this podcast is about whatever we want to talk yeah, about. It's, it's our when we so Trump, Trump script. script. <laughs> so Trump script. It is the site pen podcast. I don't even know if I said that. And you know what? I forgot that we have a tagline that I forgot to use for all these episodes. That's true. And it's on it the artwork. And it's the site pen podcast for developers who can't JavaScript good and want to learn to do other things good too. And it rolls right off the tongue and I always forget to say it. So <laughs> I'm going to really try. Um, That's going to come back though now that there's another... Uh, Zoolander movie coming out. Mm, really nice. We're relevant again. Yes. Ahead of the curve. Um, <laughs> just like with Trump script. Um, so today Nick's going to talk about uh, class class systems. Cla- I don't know whether it's about this is about the French Revolution or what is this about? <laughs> yes. Okay, it's about the French Revolution, which I'm actually listening to an awesome podcast called Revolutions Podcast. You should listen to that and listen to the French Revolution one. It's amazing. Well, it's free. It has, a, it has a capital C in our notes, so I'm assuming it's about class, the idea. Oh, like the idea of class, yeah. like of class systems, like yeah, exactly. the whole concept. Yeah. yeah, it fits right in with you. Yep. Yeah. It's going to be a short, short discussion, though, because you ain't got none. Oh, burn. <laughs> Speaking of feeling the burn, we're going to talk about is um, JavaScript going the way of communism? And that is, is it falling apart and going to die soon? Um, maybe that's a bad, sorry, Neil, I didn't mean to say that. Um, we're going to talk about the bug of the week and we will talk about ambient declarations. Mm-hmm. It's a thing. Like the declarations of man, the Declaration of Independence, like all those things. I've really been listening to this revolution stuff way too much. <laughs> I think Everything you got it on the brain a little that. bit, Tori. A little it's, bit. A, it's a type of electronic music where you just, it's really chill, but every now and then just someone says a statement, yeah. a, a nice platitude. <laughs> you, you know the music that... You are handsome. You know the music that Ross did in Friends? It's, it's that. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> You're good enough. <laughs> Am I? Thank you. Well, you think everyone's good enough, just mm. just good enough in the same. I mean, some are more equal than others, but medium. Yeah. Um, Nick, why don't you, uh, we're going to do the spotlight on. Um, I, I I swear next week there will be a little bit of music, a bumper here, because yes. I, I figured it out. Um, and Nick was playing with sounds before we started, but then decided not to use them. So yeah. I, I will be doing that the next week. So why don't you talk about uh, class? Cool. We're adding some class to this podcast with that music. Um, but we're going to talk about JavaScript classes, or more specifically, ES6 slash 2015 classes. Um, so they're a thing in JavaScript now. We've been using them for a while. Uh, if you've used Dojo, um, Dojo Declare was kind of a class-like or an OO-like wrapper um, to create a class that you could construct a new one of. Um, other toolkits and frameworks have them as well. But the problem is everyone does them differently. So declare is way different from backbones extend, which is different from other ones. And so it's it's just fragmented how we we work with object-oriented uh, paradigms in JavaScript. Well, that may be a thing of the past, may not be. Because uh, they came up with a new standard to replace them all? Exactly, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so now it's built into the language. Um, it's a special class keyword, um, so you can construct a class like that, and you can add a constructor method in it, and then um, additional methods, and you can call super, and do all this wonderful stuff. But uh, they kind of also get a bad rap um, because they're they're just sugar on top of the JavaScript prototype 
system. So you're still just working with prototypes, uh, just like you have always been. And so while it might be nice because it might unify a lot of these frameworks that and toolkits that are doing their own thing, they might unite under this, you know, this is classes in JavaScript. I think it might be confusing to people coming to JavaScript from other languages because they don't really behave like classes in other languages. And you still need to understand prototypal inheritance and prototypes in general. And uh, so there's there's a lot of people, if you look at Twitter, everyone's always angry there. Everyone's angry about classes because... Not my Twitter feed. <laughs> people are so nice. Yeah, so I don't know. I guess mine is I just follow very negative people. And he follows me. <laughs> <laughs> I follow all of you. <laughs> so developers, got it. Yeah. But I don't know. What do you guys think? Do you guys think that classes are a good thing overall? Do you think that they're going to be terrible? What are your thoughts? It's, it's a good start. Um, from my understanding, you still can't declare a static variable. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if, if except if you're in TypeScript, and TypeScript will do it for you. Uh, and so, Trump script. And Trump, apparently. I hear Trump script's going to be huge. Um, it already is. <laughs> so, so yeah, I mean, there, there's already a difference. Great. Uh, so that, that unification, I, I'm not sure if it's going to happen. Um, ES7 says they might, they're looking into it, I think, um, in their in their schedules or whatever, but I don't know where that is. Do you have any idea, Nick? I, actually, ES7 is final, right? Or ES2016 is final with just two <laughs> new features. And is so it? it's I thought there be... was just, I thought everything was in stage three still, the proposals. There's two in stage four that would be part of ES2016, and that's uh, the exponent operator. Woo. And uh, was it array.prototype.includes maybe? I think that was it. It's rather fitting. Like, what's the prognosis for a stage four JavaScript feature? It, there's, there's like all- that's a cancer joke. Laugh. Oh, yeah. I appreciate a laugh now, please. <clears throat> Thank you. This is where we need that's the right. laugh track. Yeah, I'll insert one there because you guys are humorless. <laughs> Who doesn't laugh at cancer jokes? Um. So I think lots. stage four is like it has to have it has to have a working implementation. I, I don't know exactly, but something along those lines. I'd have to go, go do research. I leave that up to the users or to the listeners, or show notes. To the, or show notes. Yes, we can put it no, in the show notes. Yeah, the, the listeners can send us <laughs> along the info, and we'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> That's the lazy way of doing that. I like it. Yeah, of course. Yeah, but I, I like it. I like classes as as you know something you can read a lot easier than, um, than you can prototypical inheritance. It, it actually is something you can look at and understand without having to look for um, any kind of potholes that, that may be in the code. So you can see a class and say, oh, I know what this does. This follows the class pattern. Great. Instead, prototypical inheritance, you're like, what crazy crap are they going to pull on me in the middle of this module that's going to mess up my understanding of this? So from that perspective, yeah, right. it's good. So I was... Uh- we did a, a talk with one of our support customers this week, kind of on the topic of memory, topic of memory leaks, and they were kind of asking, uh, you know, is there like a third-party tool that we can use to to figure out memory leaks in JavaScript right now? And I'm like, uh, like there's there's no structure in JavaScript right now. Like it's if something happens to be attached to something in a certain way, it's nearly indecipherable until you actually run that code because you know JavaScript's run top to bottom. At least with some of the class stuff, we're going to be able to infer things about how our how our project is structured, how our code is structured. Whereas right now we just kind of have it is whatever it happens to be at a point in time, right? Like it's was it having gonna, classes will give that structure. Is it going to differ? Um, like how is that going to differ from if you're using you know uh, one of these languages right now um or not languages but one of the toolkits right now are tools that you can use to do classes now like how is that going to change when it's in you know it's built into the language and as far as that you know memory leaks and stuff like that like if it always if it's you know if it's still just kind of sugar on top of what's there now like how is that going to be exposed to make that easier 
or will it be? Uh, it makes things outside of the standards harder to implement. So, like, people that don't exactly know what they're doing uh, will be hopefully less inclined to reach under the under the covers. And even, even when you do kind of reach under the covers, you have to do it in a way that exposes what you're doing. Um, so we, in some of the stuff that we worked on with Compose, uh, which is our kind of our new thoughts about how we might do very complicated object-oriented structure, uh, the, the updates to the language basically force you to explain when you're doing that and how you're doing that. So you still end up, even when you're, kind of throwing things together, you still end up with a very uh, machine-readable, very defined uh, code structure. Right, but going to, Nick looks confused, like what I asked didn't make any sense, so I'm going to try it again. But I just mean, you know, you said that right now, uh, finding memory leaks is, is a mess, right? Mm -hmm. But I'm wondering how that's going to change, how does classes make that easier or how's that going to make it better just because you know if there's still just sugar on top of the prototype that's there now then how is it going to be fixed by that it'll be easier to look at objects yeah. and figure out when they should and shouldn't have things assigned to them okay sure yeah i think i think that's the big <coughs> benefit to them is that you'll have um you won't be able you won't have to look at the code and be like oh okay i see what he's doing he's you know he's inheriting from this object or, or bringing in this and calling calling this like it's all built in to this class syntax so it hasn't you can do inheritance in there and uh you can call a super method to to call the class the the parent um method and it, it's a lot easier to look at that it'll be more standardized if people kind of start moving towards that it'll be a lot easier to identify what's going on instead of saying oh this is calling this dot inherited which is a dojo only thing. Uh, so somebody who's unfamiliar with Dojo might come in and not really understand what that that method call is doing, but they see it all over the place. And so I think that, that'll definitely help to, to just write cleaner code um, that can be more easily understood by a greater range of, of um, developers. That's the word. Yeah. So you guys all seem pretty positive. So I guess I'll just say that I hate it. And I, I just can't <laughs> wait for it to go away and die. Um, well, I think that a lot of the throw that balance in there, right? I think that a lot of the negative negativity towards that, at least in my Twitter feed, is a lot of the people that I follow on Twitter also don't are moving away from, or at least they're saying that they're moving away from object oriented coding and more into functional, and so classes don't fit in there too well. Um, and there, there's a lot to complain about with, in, in that regard, I guess. But um, there's also some guidelines that, that people have been putting out on using class syntax. By the way, we should say that we should mention where you can use class syntax. I was, I was going to ask that, <laughs> okay. but you just won't stop talking. So. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yeah, like so. As with all these things, where can you use it? See, that's how I was going to lead into that. But <laughs> you just kept going, and I just glazed over, and I'm just like, okay. Sorry. Well, if you're using Babel or if you're using um, TypeScript or another transpiler or TrumpScript or TrumpScript, I don't know if they're in TrumpScript. He's I think it's Python. He's in a class of his own. Well, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> Sorry, my mistake. Um, you would never thing. mingle with all the other classes that you can just create out of thin air. You should have let me know so about silly. TrumpScript. I would have got a soundboard together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, but you can use it in, I believe you can use it in Chrome 48, which is the current stable version of Chrome, but only inside of an iffy that is in strict mode. That might, I'm pretty sure that that's the case, but it is going to be available in Chrome 49, it looks like, and it's in Chrome 50, which is Chrome Canary right now. So you can play with that there. Uh, it's not in any version of Node yet, but you can certainly use, like I said, Babel or TypeScript to get that. Sweet. So to lead us into our ne next topic, let's talk more about angry web development, web developers, anger. We really have a segue plan for that. <laughs> and I don't even know who's supposed to talk about it now. I think it was me again. Mm -hmm. Did Speaking you plan of the language getting awful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of hate towards 
basically the language itself and the ecosystem is just complete chaos right now. And I think we can probably all agree on that. There's so many different competing standard ways of doing things. I agree, but I want to agree in a slightly different way (laughs) that makes me not agree with you specifically. And I'll be angry about it now. (laughs) So there's, you know, there's a lot of different philosophies out there. uh, A lot of different ways to write code. There's, you know, the AMD syntax, there's common JS syntax, which is what node uses for its module system. Uh, there's ES 2015 module syntax now, and we can sort of use that if we convert it to one of the other ways. Um, there's tools that, you know, we can use Browserify to bring those common JS modules into the browser. Uh, we can use Webpack to pack everything together into a single file or a couple of files and use them. There's just a lot of different ways to do things. And it seems like they're just coming up so fast and then disappearing um, that it's hard to know what's the best way to go forward with everything because every like everything is just constantly changing. And there's a lot of complexity here, especially in the tooling for writing modern JavaScript. Um, that it's hard for really anyone to keep up. What do you guys think? Well, can you give some of the history about like why people have been like what people have been writing about some of this stuff? Kind of why we got started talking about it. Um, yeah. So the what history are you referring the, to? The 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 link that we have here. I think we have a and then a couple of ones we talked about when we were prepping. Yeah, that's the set. So there's a state of web development. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So that that talks a bit about, um, you know, all of the complexity that's coming to the language, not just with, you know, different frameworks and and um, and repositories and modules coming to it, but with the language itself getting more and more complex. You know, we're adding in class syntax and we're adding in all of these features uh, that make the code a bit harder to read in, in some ways. Um, the blog post specifically points out that, uh, that, um, Twitter post about modern JavaScript annotated that points out all of these problems with, with the, the new syntax and how, how difficult it is to, to really read anything in it. And it's just adding a lot of complexity, um, to web development and making it harder to, to understand what's going on. Um, a lot of unnecessary complexity and a lot of people that I see complaining are complaining about, you know, everything being written with these complex tools, making it hard to, um, to work with hard to pass off to someone else and hard to maintain in, you know, a year or a couple of years. And, um, you know, it's specifically things like, like, um, I don't know. Well, here's an example. <laughs> I, just, I, just, I just quote from the scripture. I mean, the blog post. Um, so talking about like post CSS, I think this is a good like, just kind of, uh, you know, I don't know anything about the project. I just, this is pretty well encapsulates the, the feeling of, oh, hey, we use post CSS. Look at the gulp grunt broccoli brunch file and see what plugins I've used. When you do that, then look up what each plugin does. After you've wasted the entire day on that, then start writing some CSS or post CSS or whatever the F it's actually called <laughs> or whatever it actually is. I really just wanted SAS, but decided to use these 185 plugins instead in, you know, because it's written in JavaScript. Um, I think that is a pretty fair kind of feeling, um, whether, you know, how, how much there is. But, you know, I feel like part of this is the kind of natural evolution that things have taken when you know when dojo um you know was you know still young and and then jquery came out and it was just this little thing that just did this one very you know good thing of query selector um and it really didn't do a whole lot like all that chaining and stuff that happened you know a lot of that stuff happened later you know when it first started it was a very fast like query selection it did a couple other things and then you know, to do anything more, you needed plugins and plugins and plugins. And people wrote tons of fantastic plugins and, you know, they got abandoned over time. And, 
you know, Dojo was still always this one size, you know, massive toolkit that does all these things. But, you know, we would at least try to hope that they keep working together and, you know, that we're you know, giving, you know, not duplicating everything all over the place. Um, whether that actually happened or not, well, that was the goal, right? Um, and then you just like look at, well, now that, you know, social media and all this stuff and there's so many more JavaScript developers than ever before, I think it's kind of natural that people are trying to get their 15 minutes of fame or 15 seconds of fame, as it may be now, <laughs> by creating, you know, a plugin for this, a thing for that. And since modularity is what all the people are preaching, because, hey, with modularity, you can separate all these concerns and, you know, this fantastic utopian ideal. And now it turns out that, like, actually, it makes things really, really frustrating when, you know, utopia doesn't quite pan out, like, say, the Russian Revolution. Revolutionspodcast.org, I think. <laughs> I don't know. Um, no, I mean, but, but really, I think that's like, you know, feels to me a lot like, you know, what that problem is, is just like this, this, it's almost like the, the whole thing that went on before all this with like, oh, does your stuff validate? Well, you can't use a table because that doesn't, you know, this isn't right. This isn't validate. And, and it's just like, well, yeah, but like, you know, I'm not, people aren't looking at the code here. We're like, you know, constructing widgets that need to do these things. And this is the way to do it. And I don't care if it validates or not. Like we need that. Right. And now no one cares about that. And then modularity has now become like this big thing where it's like, well, you have to be modular. It has to be or else we don't care. And now, well, well, where does that get you? So I went to uh, Java one eight or nine years ago. And I feel like all the same. Did it take a really long time to get started? (laughs) <laughs> yes, <laughs> I had to. Well, I, I tried heard Java to run was it. dead. I tried to. I tried to get in, and then it to told me that, that I did, told me I didn't have to have. Enough, I didn't have enough memory, so I had <laughs> to to relaunch it. I had to bring like a notebook uh, with me. So, and then then I was finally able to get through. But then about halfway through, I ran out of space again. Java is dead. It's just that the process hasn't quit yet. <laughs> uh, but there was there was a lot of JavaScript stuff there that was just as complex as a lot of this stuff um you know where you had four different tools that were bound together by some xml file um i kind of feel like this stuff goes in waves and that developers like it yeah um i, th- I think I that mean, the, the big difference between what you just said and today is it's the same thing except for four different tools it's 400 yeah so, and some and so, some of the problem seems to be that it's it's kind of official channels that are that are pushing some of the complexity, right? Like you're talking about ECMAScript adding some of the complexity and I think that might be what's also driving it. I just, mm-hmm. I, I have this feeling that developers love this kind of complexity. You know, uh, we get a lot of support questions where someone's just like, I've learned these 10 new tools. Can I use these 10 new tools in my project? Yeah, we get excited about it. And it, I mean, it looks... The grass looks Paul's greener shaking over his there. Head. Uh-uh. <laughs> we, we just want to do shit. Like, we, we want to do shit good. Some. And yeah, some. And yeah it, it, playing with a new tool that promises us the ability to do that and our teams the ability to do that is great. Uh, I think some of the success of Node and JavaScript and everything recently has been NPM makes uh, packages really accessible to, to get in a way that... Um, even uh, Maven and um, the old Nexus repositories just didn't. Uh, you know, Java Java's been around forever, and and now to code it, you have to you basically write annotations. It's it's it practically feels like you know <laughs> writing metadata on top of a language um, that you kind of link together. And I, I think that's just because everybody's adopted the tools that let them go quickly. Whereas we have like Express and Restify. And it's something that starts with an L that I can't remember its name. We have so many tools to do practically the same thing. And I think we're in, an, in, in a space that's in between um, actually using JavaScript as a real language um, and, and kind of this toy that was introduced 20 years ago. I mean, 20 years later, we finally got a module format. Not a loader, not a module <laughs> loader. That would be too much. We got a module. Twenty more years. Yeah, twenty more years. We'll have a loader. I swear to God, we can do this. Well, there'll be a bunch of plugins that'll approximate a loader. Yeah, yeah. So I think, I, I just a sec. I I think um, ECMAScript six represents uh, moving JavaScript from a language that's full of pitfalls to something that's 
that has the nuances to support developers. I mean, for God's sake, we have a map now that can hold a key that's not in a set that can hold a key that's not a string anymore. I mean, 20 years of progress. <laughs> so you, you kind of think this is more like a growing pain situation. I, I, I would agree with that. Yeah, I think it's part that and part um, we've we've lifted up the rug and there's a bunch of roaches running around putting packages in there that aren't the prettiest. <laughs> it, you know, they don't they don't have the rigors of tests behind them. They don't have the rigors of engineering behind them. And so people say, oh, these packages, there's too many of them in their crap. Well, it, it would be nice to have a way to identify what packages are appropriate to use. Like everybody and their yeah. mother uses Spring on in JavaScript. Uh, so like JavaScript needs those standards that... That would be Lodash, probably. Which, yeah, two years ago was what, underscore? And I still see people using yeah. underscore. It, it's just growing pains, a lot of it. And it's it's a young it community and, and young developers that are being introduced to some of these things. And they're, they're participating, which is wonderful. Um, mm -hmm. And we just, you need to bring engineering practices in it. But some of these these roach projects, as you put them, <laughs> explode, <laughs> explode with popularity. And, and then, you know, what's the chance that they're going to be around in a year? Or, you know, you have a, I, I'm trying to think of, a, of something that may not be around in five years from now. And I'm, I don't know what wouldn't be around. Um, but, but imagine trying to use something, you know, and everybody's using these packages that are, you know, pre, pre 1.0. So they might drastically change. Uh, is Re is React still pre one point Does anyone? Know? I don't. I don't know. I think so. I'm not. Show notes. No, I think they just showed up at one point Semantic versioning for some of these projects is a joke, but whatever. Uh. Right. I think Redux over Redux I, just jumped from like zero dot something to three. Yeah, I heard Decred was just now one point. Yeah, I was gonna say who's gonna do that? <laughs> yeah. By the way, get Decred one point now. <laughs> Yeah, React is 0 0.14.7, and Redux is 0 .3.2.1 now. Yeah, Node but, just hit like, 4 or 5, which it was like 0.12 forever and 0.10 forever. Yeah, and so I, I think that that's <clears throat> a, big, a big change from, from past. You know, nobody, or Dojo isn't as popular as it once was, it, um, but there's still a lot of people that use it. And I would make the argument that any code that was written post 1.7 for dojo if i had to go back and you know fix bugs in it look at the code it would still be pretty similar to what we have now and it's very stable you know you can you can kind of jump right in and and find that but and work on it pretty pretty regularly and that's the same with you know working in jquery these bigger libraries and toolkits that that um were just around they did a lot of the functionality and and the code that you wrote was built right around those, but the and I think that those are easy to maintain. But going forward, you know, any project that we start now, and we had to maintain, we have to go back and maintain it in five years, or pick up a project in five years that that was written now. How many of those, like first off, those tools probably wouldn't even really be anything like they once were. Like React might completely change between zero point fourteen and whatever it would be in five years. I know Angular And it'd be has. really hard. <laughs> right. Angular 1 to Angular 2. Exactly. That's Absolutely. a lot of Angular 1 developers are unhappy about that because it's just so completely different. Um, Whoops. <laughs> and so I think it's just a big, a big change. Or we're in a weird transition with every aspect of web development right now where we're just kind of stuck in this, the split between old and new. We can't really use new right now, but we sort of can with transpilation and all of these 400 tools that we can use. And it's just tough to get anything going. So I guess I would ask if we were going to start a new project, the four of us right now, what, how would we start that? What would we use? Would we try Drop and write scripts? <laughs> <laughs> right. Had to but ask. I, at this point, it wouldn't make sense to write ES5 code. Would it? We would probably be future thinking and wanting to write ES6, which means, or TypeScript, which means we'll have to use TypeScript or Babel or, or some transpiler. Uh, so that adds complexity. It adds difficulty when it comes to debugging and all of that. Um, but we also want to use, you know, I mean, we're all pretty familiar with using preprocessors for CSS. So I 
But that is still a little bit of extra comple uh, complexity uh, going forward, especially if you write, you know, a lot of mix-ins and all of that. It's harder to to debug all of that. But is the issue even <clears throat> complexity, or is it the fact that these packages exist? Like, isn't it, like, to me, it feels like, I mean, my gut reaction to some of it is the, some of the frustration is like, okay, so there's already a very good, you know, task runner. And then a new one comes out that does pretty much the same thing in a slightly different way. And in a rush to get page views for their blog, to get retweets and favorites for their tweets and upvotes and Reddit and all the things, people blog about it, talk about it like it's this great brand new thing that's so amazing and it creates mind share that everyone, okay, we should be using that one because hey, it does this one thing like a little bit better. And then a couple months later, bam, a new one comes out that does pretty much the same thing the first and second one did, but maybe just a little bit better, or a little bit different. And now the same process happens over and over again. And like the fact that now like um, you're not, because it, are, it is so plug-in dependent on all these things. Well, now if you don't keep up while the task order itself may still be out there, the plugins that you might need to attach to other things that you're using in your process may not come about anymore. They may not be updated anymore because now, hey, why would I update the one for task order number one when the new one's out and that's the one everyone wants to use and I want to get more page views, I want to get more you know, hits, more cachet to say that I did that, so that's the one I'm going to make. You know, And now all of a sudden like we're dead-ending this technology that there's nothing wrong with it. So it's important that people realize that this is the development cycle. This is the, the process that new ideas are, are in, uh, added to open source. Branches and forks happen all the time. So Grunt has admitted that some of their, their task runner procedures or, or process is antiquated and it doesn't meet the needs of everybody. Um, and, and they want to bring in things like Gulp and um, other task runners to, to be able to integrate in with, with Grunt. Um, you know, it's, it's always been that way. You get a project and then somebody says, well, I really needed to do this super specific thing. Like I want the majority of, in Gulp's case, I want the majority of my uh, build pipeline to process files. And for that, I need streams. Um, and so what happens is you get this idea that's put out there and, and those ideas are, are either successful or they're not. And they, they do get mind share. And then they're either integrated back into one of the mainline projects like Grunt, or you get this divergence like you're talking about. But unfortunately, that's the that's the process. And until you hit a, a mature stage, like like Java has for a lot of its things, um, you're you're not going. You're going to have to constantly get this churn, and you you got to be very careful that if you're an enterprise uh, developer or if you're building a platform that's expected to last enterprise scale for five years or so, five to eight years. You need to make choose technologies that are going to be around, and then you can update over that span. It, it's just right, the but way that's, it is. that's what I'm saying. That's the frustration, though. I guess <laughs> it's like that it doesn't need to be that way. Like it is that way, but why? Like it seems like such a ridiculous thing to like waste so much, you know, duplication of effort and reinventing the wheel when you know, okay, so you have a different idea for this thing. So you fork it or you come up with your own brand new thing. And it's just like, well, was that the only way that that could be accomplished? Like, you know, there, yes. there currently haven't been, they <laughs> haven't been, you know, folding back in. Like historically we see things come out, like it went through it with toolkits as well, right? Like ton, every day there was a new JavaScript toolkit out. Now it's a new JavaScript framework, but why? Like there are ways in which you can, you know, these are open source projects, right? There are ways you can be part of a community instead of starting your own community. And then now it's, we have two fractured communities and you got to make these choices. And when you could make one product really great, like what, what's the reasoning? Well, there's two things like, to it. Like look at, look at node and IOJS. Like node had a very tight governance model that didn't allow a lot of submissions, but there was a lot of innovation that they wanted to do. They wanted a 1.0. They wanted to have like uh, different languages and things like that supported. And so iOS branched and eventually it merged back in. Um, I mean, if, if anybody were to just come along and say, we want this feature in Dojo uh, without having any kind of um, prior relationship with, with Dojo, it, it would be an uphill battle. Whereas on the other side of things, if they just prove out that this functionality works and then later on, um, offer to merge. I think, I think there's a lot more power behind that to to 
improve success of an idea and then bring it back in. Exactly what Grunt is looking to do with accepting Gulp and, and other... I think that the Node and IOJS is like one of the few that I can think of in recent times that's actually done that, though. Like, you know, the Dojo example, if someone came and said, hey, I have this idea, here's some proof of concept. I made code and it actually does this and look at how good this is. That's a different thing than coming in and saying, hey, abstractly, I have this idea. What do you think? Well, I don't know. Like, show me. You know, and like, it just seems weird that, well, not weird, like I understand why it happens. It's just like, I understand the frustration that like how many different packages, like you go and look at the different plugins for Grunt or for like, there will be plugin after plugin for the same thing, like over and over again. It's like, if I do a search, I find that plugin exists, but like the people who wrote that plugin should have also been able to do said search and also find that that plugin exists. So like, what's the deal? Like, why? Why did you do that? Like, what's the point? Like, why not fork the one and then say, hey, here's my code, merge it back in instead of I'm going to write everything completely differently and include four different packages just so that I can have my own version of this plugin that does the exact same thing the last one did. Yeah. Like, it just it's such a waste of effort. And it leads to this, um, again, like a it's just human behavior, but it just, it leads to what I think is like, you know, an immature feeling to the language itself and an immaturity to it that, you know, people scoff at, or even are, like you said, the enterprise scale really, really hesitant to bring in new tools because how can they be assured that, you know, this is the way forward. They can't because they're looking at the last three that they said that we're going to use this one. And now they're moving on to the next thing because apparently you can't hire anyone to use those tools anymore because no one uses those anymore. So now the enterprise can't actually, you know, bring out anyone to maintain those apps. So now there's are like dead dying apps because suddenly it's not cool to use those things. And now they're, you know, everyone's moved on to something else and that's just what they do. You know, and it just, it, it's a frustration that I, I feel like doesn't need to exist, but you know, it does. It's, what people do you said it right it is the cycle <laughs> it's it, a real thing it really is and, and there's still people yeah. out there that know like backbone and ember and those tools that are on maybe um not as recent as react and, and angular and things like that you know you find those people or people learn the technology because there's so much stuff out there you're gonna have to learn something anyway of course but i mean it goes to the thing with plugins again <laughs> if you're if you're using all these plugins to, to do something, when you want to start adding new stuff and, oh, well, we need to connect to this, now your development effort goes up a lot more because you can't just, you know, throw in these plugins that you once could because there aren't, they aren't maintained. They're not there anymore. Or, you know, they don't work with the newest version. And now you have to have people who even understand that. And guess what they're going to want to do? Write a new one. <laughs> you got to want to, yeah, I'm not going to fix that one. Yeah, put it out. Write a new stuff. one. Not even just fork it. They're, I'll start from scratch because I don't like that they oh, did it this the way. Worst. So yeah. I'll start over. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I, I understand I think that your there's frustration. A lot, yeah. The, like, I, I think that it's great that there's tools. There's lots of tools out there. I think it's awful and, there's tools. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's great that there's several implementations of things out there and, and constantly changing. And, and you get your pick, but then it, it also makes it tough too because there's just a lot of stuff that you know individual projects that you want to use may not have picked the same tooling uh that you picked and so it can be harder to integrate that into your ecosystem that you've built because there's there's like everyone can roll their own ecosystem basically and then there's you know it, it can be tough to to bring code that's you know maybe written in in one language or one using grunt or gulp or, or whatever and, and trying to integrate that in to yours, um, it can just be difficult. And I think that that's, it, it adds a lot of complexity to, to, you know, starting up a new project and, and, uh, maintaining it going forward. Just yeah. go look at template systems. That's all I got to <laughs> right. say about that. Yeah. yeah. Unbelievable. I have to agree with okay. you. Nick. It would be nice to have, starting points for a lot of these projects. Uh, I did flex yeah. for a while and having that standard library there that everybody starts from is, is a huge advantage. Um, yeah. You know, that, that would help. I guess the thing and, is and, and like we, we have that, right. We, we have that promise. It's it's a tool called Yeoman. And, but if you try and use Yeoman, it just spews so much complexity at you because I mean, even, even the dojo generator for Yeoman throws in, things that you may not want. It throws in intern, it throws in grunt, um, and, it, and it throws in, you know, all of this overhead that 
you may not be thinking of if you wanted to start like a fresh project with that. And so because anyone can write a, a, a generator, and I think that's great that anyone can write one, um, but you you really have to pick and choose those. And there's a lot that just don't, there, there's no good starting place, I guess. There's no good common starting place. You have to really pick and choose and be picky about what you bring into your ecosystem because it can have effects going forward and it can affect how how the project is viewed, how it's, um, if it's like an open source project, it can affect um, contributors, how they contribute to it. If you're using your own super obscure test framework, for example, that you wrote last night, then when people come in and want to write that, they have to go look up and figure out how to do any assertion that they want to try and do. Yeah. Uh, if you have these super obscure things in there, it can, it can just make it a lot harder and and shy people away from contributing or using it. Well, I think yeah. that just just to kind of wrap this topic up, you know, I think that to me it all comes down to it's not a technical issue. It's a it's more of an education issue and more of a community issue. Um, you know, there's nothing wrong with innovation and trying new things and people yeah. creating new packages. Like that's a great thing, absolutely. But until the community at large stops rewarding the creation of new for the sake of new um, through whatever social currency they get out of that, it's going to just continue and continue until finally people, it becomes uncool to, Hey, cool. I just created this thing is exactly like everything else because right now it's a cool thing to do and you get social currency from that. And until you don't do that anymore, then it's going to continue. Um, and how the community, if leaders of the community speak out and help shape that and shape the, you know, that you know it's it's just it's going to continue so you've heard it here first anonymous packages tori yes yes (laughs) i think it's a problem with any large community though or anything that has a low barrier to entry like uh one of the one of the things i like to do is if i'm let's say i'm traveling somewhere new or i'm or i'm trying to learn about something new like one of the first things i want to do is listen to podcasts about it and it's one of those things where when you try to find a podcast about it, none of, none of them exist. There's not a podcast. Like you just can't find one. <laughs> and then you start to to peel back the layers, and you find like this one website, and and that one website kind of introduces you a little bit to the community at large. And then you listen to you find the first podcast through that, and then you listen to that one, and they talk about five other podcasts on the on the topic. And by the time you get in it, you realize that there are that there's a wealth of information about what you're trying to to do, and it just took. A lot of looking to get there and, and then you and end feel, up on a podcast <laughs> then you end up on a podcast <laughs> but i feel like it's the same sort of way with javascript right like you get you get interested in something um and for, for some reason there's a, there's an itch you need to scratch and you find the tool that scratches that itch uh and then the process between that and having a good understanding of the javascript community it is a lot of work right so i think that this is always going to be kind of a bit of a problem until there is a something definitive and even then it might still i don't think it's definitive i think it's like over it's like if uh it'd be like if you go to a town to visit and they reward crazy um drunks and homeless people as if they're tour guides um and then the professional tour guides are standing there being like seriously like Guys, I actually know what I'm talking about. That he just he's just rambling. He is, there's nothing he's saying that's true. That's not true. And he's like, no, this is where George Washington is. You're in you're in Texas. George Washington was never there. Okay. I think, and they I reward think, him for it so they continue and more come and more come. And now the tour guides are all crazy people who are schizophrenics and homeless and stuff. So right, but the way that I view it, I just offend everybody. We? <laughs> We're the schizophrenic homeless people. Okay. The way I view it is that those people are like on the edge of the town, right? And you're never gonna like because those people can just keep. keep Currently, going. those people are downtown. They are downtown. I don't right think now. so. I think yes, that, that it, I think anyone that's been involved in the community for a long time. Tourists are not involved in the community. Tourists are coming in. That's what I'm saying. I think that the, in the in my analogy, they're downtown, Neil. Uh, <laughs> they're at the gates. They've stormed I, the gates. The revolution is here. Can we can we fork the town? What I'm and yeah. <laughs> Yeah, fork the town. It'll be exactly the same, just a little bit better. What I'm trying to say is, I don't think that the I don't think that 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 the kind of OG developers are the ones that are that are 
giving so much social. Does that stand for Olive Garden? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I don't think that they're they're the ones giving all this like uh, social capital to these new projects. I think it's. I think it's other people that are just getting into the yes, it's the other tourists, the, the other tourists. But yeah. what I'm saying is, like in the town analogy, right? Like those people will just keep going further away from town. Like they'll they'll keep having less of a connection to that like final spot. And I think that um, as long as no one knows exactly where that the center of town is, that you're always going to have this sort of problem. But I think that we're getting there. I guess is what I'm roundabout way of what I'm trying to say is that I do think that. Uh, with ECMAScript trying so so much harder to get to get things kind of nailed down, uh, I yeah. do think that we're getting to a point where people are going to at least have a touch point, uh, uh, like e- either through ECMAScript or through people talking about ECMAScript, where they're going to have a touch point, so that they're not kind of just looking for ways to scratch their itch. See, mm-hmm. you view the town as like downtown Disney, and I view it as like Manitowoc County. Yeah, like currently. So I think that's just the big difference here is just how we how we see things. So Tori, our, um, I think we got to move on though. We can um, just break the game. I, I just want to say before we do move on. No, yeah, that okay, fine. I, I'm Go really ahead. excited about all of the new stuff that that is in the language, both in the language and some of the new tooling that's out there. But just looking at it from a beginner's perspective, I think that ha- like if I did, just graduated college this year and you know started, I didn't do any JavaScript in college, but if I just got into JavaScript right now, I feel like it's so much harder to get into than six years ago when I got into it. And there, there's just so much more to it, uh, both in the language, what pieces of it can I use now? What do I have to transpile? What is a transpiler? What is this JSX stuff? How do I use, you know, how do I use a package manager? I didn't, there wasn't a package manager back when I started. And I think that it, like, there's just a lot of complexity that that is there now, and it's harder for people to get into it. It will all level out, I think, once we start getting over this hump and the drastic changes to the language kind of smooth out, and it's just you know smaller features being added every year, um, and the newer ways of writing web apps gets <coughs> proliferated a bit more with new toolkits and frameworks coming out. Like, you know, I think that React and Redux are are both very cool things to look at. I'm excited for Dojo 2 and the work that we're doing on that. Um, it, the future looks very bright, but I think that just getting into all of this right now, uh, like f- for new developers or new JavaScript developers, it's kind of a chaotic wild west and it, it can be really tough to find a path to go forward and it can probably make people shy away from it. Um, you know, and, Great, you're excited. We get it, Nick. <laughs> got it. We got to move on. I Fine. tried to say it ten minutes ago. Then Neil, after all that silence, decided he was going to talk. Let's all <laughs> just be honest you guys here. Get your thoughts out. Let's just be all honest here. I'm just jealous of the drunk schizophrenics who everyone just they don't have to try, and then they get all the social currency, and I get none. I get hate on Twitter. It's Actually, tough. I don't even get hate. That'd be nice. I get nothing. No one ever talks to me on Twitter. Um, okay. Speaking of Roach developers, do we have a bug of the week? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, nice segue. Oh, I tried. <laughs> oh, that was good. That was actually awful. That was actually really good. <laughs> Who? Uh, so Neil didn't do one, apparently, I, well, unless he did. I have something TBD, I want to talk about. Is TBD a bug? What? Is I... <laughs> TBD I, is a bug. I, so I, I haven't been dealing That's with kind of in the weed stuff. To be developed. <laughs> to be developed. Uh, so what I've, I'm working on kind of a larger uh, project this week. Um, instead of just kind of dealing with uh, little one-off fixes and, and little... Uh, like put you to real work, basically. Smaller pieces. Yeah, I've had to put together kind of a much larger project. And um, one of the things that I've been dealing with is that... I'm just, this will kind of tie into what we've just been talking about, but I'm, I'm kind of learning something that I haven't, don't have a ton of experience in. And uh, what I've been running into problems with is that what I want to do isn't, isn't inherently obvious. And it's, it took quite a while to figure out, I was kind of asking myself, like, what's the clever way to do this? What's the way that they've done that makes what I'm trying to do very, very simple, very, very easy? Uh, and I ended up... Uh, kind of what I want to talk about is that I ended up having to kind of work backwards and I ended up having to kind of hack uh, around it to to do what I wanted to do and then kind of go back from there and build it back up to something larger. And that's where I figured out where the clever stuff was. Uh, and then 
even from there, I I got pretty close to trying to get so clever that I broke the the hack that I did need to make it all work. So I kind of wanted to talk about that kind of like that whole when you're when you're trying to figure like I guess it's a bug, right? Because I know that I I knew that I had implemented it in a way that wasn't ideal, uh, and I thought it was kind of interesting that I had to build my hack first and then back off it and into something that they wanted me to do the clever way of doing it from there. What do you guys think? So you brute forced it and then you made an elegant solution. Exactly. And I think that, I guess what I'm trying to say is that that I think that that's kind of an interesting way of dealing with these type of, of bugs and these types of issues is making it work and then figuring out how to actually make it work properly. Yeah. I I think, I, th- I haven't got to that second part yet. <laughs> it'll, it'll come for you. Just the axe. Uh, I think there's a lot of merit in that. Um, some, some of the paradigms like TDD kind of push you into that, whereas you're trying to yep. produce an output from your program given an output first. Um, you know, test and cycle. Um, test, fail, cycle. As quick as you can. Um, how did you particularly solve the problem with a brute force and then a more elegant solution? Um, it helped me, it helped me see the structure that I was trying to achieve. Um, I was dealing, a lot of what I was dealing with was, uh, the dojo's basically D store. So, uh, uh, kind of a, an in-memory object store and figuring out how to get the filtering system to work the way that I wanted it to. Uh, and it, it was kind of complicated because I wanted one part of a, a degrid to search in one for one specific thing, and it was a it was a nested tree. So I wanted the search to apply just a part of it, but not to another part of it. Uh, and once I did the kind of the hack implementation of it, it was pretty easy to see like how I needed to implement the filter. I needed to say it's either not this type or it's this search term. Uh, and, and just, you know, my, my code kind of gave me the framework for what I needed to do. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I do that a lot, especially when you have to start with like a small example and then build it up into yep. a, a complex thing with corner cases and everything. It's literally the only way I do it. I don't even know how to do things the right way. I just do it. And it's like, oh, now that I just did all that, I can see how ridiculously complex I just made that. And I'll just switch this around. And okay, now it's still complex. Uh, I'm going to send it to you guys and make you do it the right way. Um, Well, part of what made me fix it as well is that I had this project that I could send to another developer. And that, so I sent it to another Sitepin developer. And he just kind of spitballed like what he thought was messy and what he thought was clean. And that's how I figured it out. I mean, and it wasn't necessarily, he didn't uh, tell me what the answer was, but kind of through his feedback, I I figured out what I needed to do. So, I I mean, I think that's another neat thing about kind of putting that together is that you can send it to someone and they can give you feedback that just might actually come up with a real solution. Yeah, it's definitely... um Definitely good to, if you can, get feedback, which also makes it good that if you want to participate in an open source project rather than just start your own, yep. you could do that also. But that's what worries people, so you might be making <laughs> things worse. <laughs> okay, well, I think that's going to wrap it up. I know we, we're going to do ambient declaration, but uh, I think we're going to wait till next week because we are out of time. Um, they're kicking us out of the studio, the FCC, you know, they only let us record for so much time and, you know, Wheeler, he's just like that guy. The radio signal is really kind of putting out too much radiation. He's spotty right now. Yeah. He's a dingo. So what do you expect? He's a dingo. He's our dingo. (laughs) Okay. Thank you guys very much. Thanks. Thanks. I'll see you later. I was rolling down the window Cause I like to feel the wind blow We got a good thing Gonna see where the day goes Take it fast, take it real slow We got a good thing Hey, we got a good thing going Hey, we got a good thing going 
got a good thing going on. Bye, bye, bye.